Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Roads, 65 Max Radio. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement, to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to become leaders by establishing partnerships with entrepreneurs, corporations, donors, sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Please join me every other Tuesday at noon on BBS Radio, All Road, 65 Max Radio. My special guest today is Mr. Jeffrey Michelle. At the age of four, he was kidnapped. The next year, his parents divorced and he was raised by his alcoholic mom. As an adult, his marriage fell apart and his kids were turned against him by his ex-wife. Later, he was badly burned by a business partner that he labels a psychopath. He certainly has reasons not to trust others, especially when those closest to us violate our trust. But there is hope. At last. Thanks again for this interview chance, Mr. Michelle, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And how are you doing today? I am doing very nicely, thank you. You're so welcome. So where are you located? Well, at the moment, I'm in New York City. I spend most of my time in Florida, though, uh, where the sun shines. A little, little gray here in New York today, but uh, and chilly. So I'm, I'm heading back south on Thursday, so it'll be nice 80 and sunny. <laughs> is it snowing out there? No, just no. you know, chilly. Not that just, bad. Just New York. <laughs> just, just New York. Okay, well, I'm going to get right to it. I do have a bunch of questions, and Mr. Michelle, you took to heart, and the role trust plays in every aspect of people' lives, and you penned a new book. Trust is a double X edged sword and you say trust me tell me about that well first of all i'm a very trusting person and uh, that hasn't changed i'm just a little smarter about it when you have a really bad experience um it it scars you and uh you know the walkway is to learn and you know i wrote this book because uh, to the partner you referred to the psychopath uh, mm-hmm. You can't even make up the stories of the things that he did. His name is David Kushner, and he's being sued by the planet. Uh, his wife went off the terrace last year. The day after, she he just she said, I can't take it anymore. I'm leaving. And um, it just insane stories. And people that know me and know him say, our story, this story, is the next Netflix series. That's how extreme it was. But I was, I was, I was guilty of being negligent. I, I trusted him. Implicitly, I knew him a long time, and um, you know there were all sorts of weird thing happening, and, and I accepted his explanations, even though I had a funny feeling about it. And ultimately, it, it, I had to shut down my company. I discovered forgery, th- thievery, fake names, fake email addresses, sabotage, and I literally had to shut down my company and take control of it. And when I when I was doing that, if you saw me, my hands were shaking like this. My nerves were—I couldn't believe what I was discovering. I was standing here in this apartment in the city looking out the window and I started petting these things I discovered, which were just beyond belief. And I looked out the window and I said, you know what? Trust. Trust is a pillar to everything in our lives. I mean, every single thing that we do, its core is trust. I started doing massive research on that word and I covered so much territory, so much content, hence wrote the book, Trust is a Double-Edged Sword. Trust me. Wow. I can totally relate. 
I can tell you a story about the trust and the sabotage upon my company as well. And what really devastated me was the artist that was like, like the one of the V was the VP of our company. And he was the only one that knew everything that we knew. And he had taken all of our information and had shared it with someone else. And the next thing you know, here I'm fighting for my company. Uh, they were trying to change the name, uh, the websites. I mean, just so much. And I tell you, that trust broke me because you know, I really it's a, treated him like a son. It's 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 a terrible emotional experience, and unfortunately, there isn't one person that I know or spoken to that hasn't had trust violation either personally or in business or in both. And it's 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 so rampant. I mean, I was writing this book. I started thinking about how how low trust is in this country at this point. How much apathy there is between people and the separation, all these movements out there that create separation and create hatred and I don't trust anything or anybody. That is not an uncommon stance. And it's really sad because it's 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 wrong. And I you know I, I share, you know, one of the things I talked about, I was in Manhattan on 9-11. And that day I had to walk up Madison Avenue to go to my residence because all the public transportation was closed. And unfortunately the phones weren't as they are today from a technology perspective. One of the things I noticed that day was everybody was reaching out to everybody. Everybody was helping everybody. Everybody was embracing everybody. It didn't matter whether you were black, white, yellow, red, green, Chinese. That day we were all Americans. That day we all came together and it took a natural, a disaster to eliminate all the separation that's promulgated and that creates lack of trust by media, by the special interest group. And I think we're at an all-time low in that regard. I do agree with you 100%. I do agree with you. How can we hold ourselves accountable to be trustworthy to others, in your opinion? Well, the distinction between doing the right thing or the wrong thing is something that we intuitively know. If we deny it or ignore it, you know, then you, you know, cross over possibly be a sociopath. That was my ex-partner. That was probably your ex-partner, too. Didn't really care about right. what the right thing to do was. It was about self-interest to the extent of, you know, doing very extreme things. You know, I live with a mantra, uh, which is, for me, it's all about making a difference. I wrote the book, this book, to make a difference. I wrote this book to get people to be much more aware about something that's so crucial in our lives. And my contention is, that we just don't think about it enough. We we kick the can, we avoid. We you know there are things that happen that you feel a little funny, and you ah uh, you make a rationalization or you make an excuse that that winds up biting you, and you know where. And so I wanted to really empower people to be much more mindful about something that's so incredibly important. The second chapter of the book, the title of it is "Should I Buy What I'm Sold?" and it talks about all these products that are marketed to us with fallacious representations. There's no shortage of that. I mean, it's actually very, very extreme. Some of these products are dangerous because they're not regulated by the government. And it's like, whoa, I didn't realize it. So there's so many dimensions to trust, but to the point I made originally, it's applicable to everything in our lives. Wow. Why, Why even after getting burned, many of us repeat our mistakes? Because I know I have. I've been burned several times but i'm such an empath and i had to learn first take responsibility for it then i had to really understand and take a step back instead of reacting so quickly what do you you think about that well i I think you're human and, and so is everybody else the distinction of understanding what you just said is I have an expression that I've written. I, this is my third book, and I think the expression I'm about to share with you, I've, I've used a couple of times in different books. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. But what did you learn? If you don't learn and, and make change and correct something, then you're going to repeat the same mistake. Then you're guilty of, of really being negligent. You know, the idea of education and the idea of experience is for us to make smarter decisions. And if something isn't right and you smell it, then something's not right. Don't avoid it. 
I do agree. I have this intuition, you know, being an entrepreneur, being on this journey, I've learned how to take in that intuition that I have and to understand that, you know, when they say you had that little person sitting here saying, oh, go ahead, go for it. You know, it's not going to hurt. No, nothing. (laughs) But I, on the other hand, have learned how to say, okay, no, no means no. But I had to also learn how not to allow people to continue And those are the manipulators to try to talk you into whatever they're trying to sell you or how they're trying to convince you that what they have is what you need. You know what I mean? So this journey has been very, very interesting. And at the same time, the healing was the main key for me because I had lost my voice and I had to learn how to listen a little bit more to others so I can define if it's okay and and feel good. And no matter, say like, if I said, okay, that's fine. And something went wrong. I didn't take it to heart because you got to remember I was damaged. I was broken. So I had a hard time of doing, I didn't even know how to really move forward with my company. Um, Like you, I had to, you know, take it back and then take everything in. And then I have these people that's telling me that, well, this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to do. But one thing that I did learn was there's this, this thing that I do believe in. And it's a ritual for me. There's something called professionals and there's something that's called inspiring entrepreneurs. And I also had got burned, you know, how you attend some of these um, events, networking events and things of that nature. And I met this one person and they uh, did web designing and I allowed them to redesign my uh, website where I sell my products and services. And the next thing you know, I wasn't receiving any monies, but it was showing I was making monies. And that was so strange where where I learned also how people can, what do you call it? Recode your website and make things happen even that way. So it's been a really learning lesson for me. So I'm glad to talk to you. So tell me, (laughs) how to recover from having your trust violated? And I know I may have said a little bit, but I still want to re-ask that question because this is what's important to me. And this is a huge step for me to be able to jump over that broom without, okay, one feet over, I'm going to take it back, (laughs) one feet over. What, in your opinion? Your nature is your nature. You are who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people out there that don't trust anybody or anything. They're pretty negative about their lives or you know people they know. They don't embrace. Uh, I, I think it's a, a kind of a sad existence. I'm a very trusting person. That hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. I'm just small. I'm just smarter about it now. So you know, Ronald Reagan said it, and it, it's an aphorism that really has meaning. Trust, but verify. When you speak, he was speaking about the Russians at the time. Trust, but verify. You have to be responsible. And if you become irresponsible and you make excuses, again, kick the can, and you send something, then it's your fault. But integrity is not fake. Either you have it or you don't. Absolutely. And we got got to get smarter about spotting, you know, those that are disingenuous. And unfortunately... There's no shortage of those type of people out there. So true. You made the comment that how one's look at attractiveness affects our trust antenna. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a chapter in the book titled Beauty is in the Eye of the Beholder. 
And statistics prove out that very attractive people get preferential treatment. They make more money. They're acknowledged more. Uh, They excel faster. It's a real plus until it's not. And if, in fact, one, you know, really banks on their physicality or their beauty as the driving force for their success, A, we get older. And that, you know, so physicality does change. And two, sometimes it really categorically bites you in the rear end. And a case in point to that is that because of the Me Too movement, which Mm -hmm. we all know about, I know CEOs in New York City that will not, will not hire an attractive receptionist. Really? Yes, indeed. And the reason they won't do it, they're fearful of the possibility of an accusation. It doesn't matter if the accusation is true or not. The allegation implies guilt because there are lawyers that take these things on contingency and then they, they do something called extortion. You know, right. you, put, you, you put that oh. out there, sexual harassment. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. You're guilty just by the association of the accusation. So in that case, you know, a very attractive receptionist have a disadvantage because of their physicality. And there are other examples and other stories that really address something that we don't even really think about so much. It's sort of taken for granted. It's just a kind of an interesting observation. Wow. Huh, that's very interesting. Speaking of that, it's funny that you stated that because here we are um, getting our organization restructured. And I was telling my husband he needs his own receptionist. And and I said, and she better be 90 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Caveat, as they say. (laughs) And we both start laughing at at everything. But it was just funny. And for you to mention that and to speak on that, that is, (laughs) we could say that's true, right? It's something that we just don't think about. You stated also, we should not always buy what we were sold. Trust impacts or, or our dating, being a consumer, professional, investing, political, parenting, and spiritual in our spiritual lives. Why do you say that? You just covered a lot of territory in that one sentence. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think, you know, there's a distinction between right and wrong and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. You know, there, there are a lot of angry people out there that create, as I said earlier on, separation and division. Um, you know, decency and doing the right things, it's, it's not something that is so difficult to conceive and understand and, in fact, do. And, you know, we just see so many examples of where it's not done that right. way. I mean, I won't even go into the whole political situation that we're in in this country, which, in my view, is a probably the worst I can recall it ever being. I mean, I do have a little bit of gray hair, so I've been around a while, <laughs> and, and I, it's it's a mockery because it's it all you know the agendas are self serving, and in many cases create tremendous divisions. And there are people out there that buy into, you know, what they're being told uh, or said, and in a lot of the cases. And, and unfortunately, I would even argue most of the cases, it's hyperbole, not true, or it's completely for an agenda, you know, for self-propelling. It's sad because, you know, there was a time that you would, you know, look at someone running our country and like have, you know, reverence for it. I mean, I think the last president we had that I really liked the way he conducted himself and spoke was Ronald Reagan. Um, wow. Okay. Me too. We'll see. Great minds think alike. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Wow. Kudos for us. Absolutely. Yes. I'm with you on that. I, I know we're not going to get too much into that on that political because I can go on and on too, but I'll just say this. I'm so disappointed and it's so heartbreaking and I'm so afraid for our youth today. That is an astute observation. You know, I have two kids uh, and, you know, you know, you, as they go along, you look at what they're dealing with and confronting. Uh, it's scary. I mean, it's, it it's re- and then, you know, there's a chapter in the book called What Happened to the Humans. And that chapter really talks about 
you know, how things have changed and, you know, all these amazing technologies, you know, what they've done. And they've, you know, many cases they disintermediated, eliminated business that existed because the old way of doing things and all these incredible things like our phones, what they can do. And then you look at all these amazing positives that we have, but what are the things that we can't trust? One of the most dangerous things is social mm-hmm. media. Social oh. media. It, it's it's yeah. so it's so incredibly dangerous. I was on the board of Signature Bank in New York City for 15 years. That bank went down in this past March, and it, it was promulgated because of social media, albeit the bank was not insolvent. It was political agenda there that they, they did what they did. But mm-hmm. social media was the fuel that created runs on banks. And then you look at some of the other things that go on that create hatred or create other things. I'm on the uh, advisory board of something called the Clarion Project. The uh, Clarion worth- Project? Clarion Project. Okay. It was started eight years ago. Two gentlemen, it's a not-for-profit, and they brought in people from the NSA, you know, you know technology-savvy people, mm-hmm. one of whom uh, was the gentleman that found Osama bin Laden. They found Osama bin Laden through social media. That's how, how they found where he was. That's how the government got him. These guys came aboard, and this particular foundation, all they do is scour social media for threats. And mm-hmm. you'd be shocked the degree of people coming together planning to do things. I had them at one of my organizations. If you look at my history, I'm a networking guy. I, I've written two books on networking. I have this organization called the Strategic Forum. I had them present at my New York chapter a few weeks ago, and they blew the room apart. And the first thing they talked about over the last two years they discovered 107 threats of school shootings. You know, people planning to go into schools and kill children. 107. This foundation has credibility with the FBI. They were able to thwart a couple things before they happened. But right now, the chatter, the groups on, on social media, the danger in this country, because the borders have been porous, there's all sorts of crazy people oh. and terrorists there, is so over the top that if you saw what I've seen and heard them present, you would go, whoa. So it's worth looking at. I'm, I'm a donor. I'm part of them. The Clarion Project. It's very interesting. Yeah, I had written that down. I am going to look at that because that is so true. I mean, I went downtown. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area and from the East Bay. But I just went to San Francisco yesterday. And I mean, totally different. I mean, it, there's people that I didn't even know that were here. But like you stated, the border is is down and you know everyone is here and i'm again it disappoints me because there's so much that the u.s needs to do here for its people and for small businesses like mine and others how how do we become a third world country unfortunately this goes back to you know something said a little bit earlier in our discussion here political agenda dictates what happens. I, I, I won't go to San Francisco anymore. The only reason I'd fly into San Francisco is to mm-hmm. drive by it to go to Napa. I happen to be a person that likes wine. I, the last time I stayed in San Francisco, which is maybe six years ago, I stayed in a very nice hotel. And I come walking out. The first thing I saw was a guy making out with a, with a, a, a parking meter. I mean, he was wrecked. And, I, and around this beautiful hotel, I walk around the corner and there were I can't remember how many, but so many people lying on the street with needles all over the place. It was yes. a terribly uncomfortable feeling. And this was then. It's only much, much worse now. And, you know, where's this? What's going on? What, how do they allow this to occur? I mean, California is ex- so extreme. I don't know if you happen to see the debate between uh, Newsom and DeSantis the other night. I didn't uh, get was, a chance to. I wanted to. I got home a little late. It it, 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 was, it was what's known as ad, nom, ad homin, which means uh, they showed all these statistics and everything, and Newsom didn't respond to any of the numbers and all the things. He just kept attacking DeSantis. He wouldn't address the facts of discussion. He would only attack the person. That's an ad hominem type of approach. And, it's, you know, California is a mess. I mean, just it a is. total mess. And, you know, say, so look, to your point, look what's going on in our country. I mean, it's very, very scary. And, and you know, who do you trust? Who do you believe what's being said? I mean, it's, it's really, it's, it's very scary. I think we're in a very precarious, scary time. And that's why we have to be much more alert and conscious, you know, around us. And then 
align with people that you can really trust, people that are really sincere in your life and you know that are there and you know them. You know, you, you know, I'm sure you could think of maybe it's not 50 people, but maybe there are four or five people in your life that you right. know that, that they're always there for you, that they always show up, that they really are concerned. It's not about me. You know, with the distinction between being a me person or a giving person, you know, people told me, 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 me. I have no time for that. Mm-hmm. I, I share a story in the book about how do we know who our friends are? There's a whole chapter about the people that we should have in our lives. Who do you trust as a friend? Right. And what are the characteristics? And I, I, I do delineate between me, people, and givers and that type of thing. And I share a story about a, a, someone I called a friend for a long time. I still call him a friend, but not a real friend. And this is a person that I would go get together with. I know him 20 years. And a very good-looking guy, did very well, and always had some beautiful girl that was a girlfriend. And every time I went to see him, all he did was complain about the person he was with. It was just a constant, nonstop complaint or other issues he had. And it was all about him. And if I brought up anything about myself, it was like dead eyes. It was like no interest. And then he'd come back and start talking about himself. It happened so many times that the last time it happened, which is a couple of years ago, I vowed to myself, I'm done. There's no reason for me to have that type of relationship. I'll say hi to him when I see him. But I don't need to get together with him because it's all about him. And in the book, I describe him as a person that lives in a room where all the walls are mirrors. Mm. I had one of those friends too. <laughs> and, and you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes. So what, I what absolutely are, do. So I it's absolutely not, do. Our time, there's 24 hours in the day, you know, a good portion of them we sleep. Who we spend our time with, who, what, what we do every day, it's essential. And as we get older, as the time goes by, and it goes by. It goes by quick. I still think I'm 22 years old. I mean, I was, it just, <laughs> it evaporates. You know, the priorities of what's important, who you spend your time with, who you can trust, what you can trust, and being smart with your life. Because it's not a dress rehearsal. It's not. Not at all. And especially the time that we're living in right now. I think that 2024 is going to be so interesting. And normally I volunteer for the ballot and and everything. I just want to vote and I want to vote by mail as well. Because I know people just, you know, the ones that are not woke. I mean, by now people need to wake up and need to understand there are certain things that certain presidents did and where we at right now. We in war. We had like division with one another. There's so much going on, and we really have to focus on someone that is going to be for America, and that is what is important. I totally concur. I agree with you, and you know, obviously, everybody has agendas, but it's so extreme now uh, that we we are just a mess. You know, it's really terrible. I'm, I'm on the board of something else called the. CPR Foundation. Uh, it, it, the acronym stands for Community Police Relations. And this foundation's reason for being is to eliminate and mitigate the dislike between community and law enforcement pushed by a lot of the woke movement le- organizations. So, by example, um, there's just one example. We gave away 3,000 turkeys for Thanksgiving, but we didn't give them away. We gave them to police to go to people's homes and knock on the door. Tuesday before Thursday, Thanksgiving, I was down in Miami and I was with the police, caravan of police cars, ABC News. I was in it with them. And we were going to these very tough neighborhoods where people were not buying turkeys. And the police would go up to people's homes and knock on the door. I got pictures on my phone, hand a turkey. I was on ABC News that night and you had to see their faces. They were in disbelief. They didn't trust that this was legitimate. I, what I'm, is this real? Am I, someone getting arrested, they had this negative, negative expectation. And by the time when they were relaxing, and then they became very appreciative and they realized police officers were giving a turkey for Thanksgiving. It's a, it, it, me explaining it to you says a lot, but experiencing it from an emotional perspective and watching the reaction, I get goosebumps talking about it. Wow. Do we have any police left? Look, you know, it, it, it's, you, know you, you say that, it's really sad what's happened. Suicide, yeah. and, law, suicide and law enforcement is at all-time highs. We're addressing that also. We have another foundation that does things for PTSD. 
you know, they're not supported. And then they're, de- you know, they're looked negatively upon and they're, you know, and then if you're, if you're in New York City, they can't re- arrest people, you know, literally. No. You, can go, you go to, if someone's, you, you can steal a thousand dollars in merchandise out of any store and they can't do anything. They don't, they can't. Well, that's people. everywhere. I mean, who put that out? When I was just speaking to a colleague and she had told me, well, you know, the government stated and put that out there on the news that, you know, they can steal up to so much and then nobody can do anything about it because the company or, you know, itself have insurance. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So now we're getting ready to have people who just feel like they just have a right to just come and rob you and they're going to take more than fifteen hundred dollars worth of product but that's all we can claim who does that but i blame all those whom stated to defund the police you never defund the police you train you develop you mentor you keep that going with the police like you do with anyone else you never defund the police so now what we're going to do have uh hoolums and 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 others out here you know you know Controlling the streets, I know I don't want that. And neither does the neither does the the, 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 the communities that are are you know impoverished. I I went I went up to uh, something called the Wagner Projects last November, pouring rain day. That day we were giving away fifty dollars food cards to the residents of this uh, community, and it's you know very the people don't have any money. Pouring rain, hundreds of people standing in line, a big tent with the police underneath. And the police are the ones giving them the card. I walk up, I drive up, I park my car in the par- in the playground. I walk over to the police. I knew one. I knew the police lieutenant. I didn't know a sergeant. Sergeant hands this elderly woman a card, and mm-hmm. she looks at me and she says, "I want to thank you so much. You have no idea how much this means to me. This really helps me in my life." She's gone on and on. It's a fifty dollar food card, and I looked at her. I said, "Ma'am, please don't thank me. This has got nothing to do with me. You thank this police sergeant." He's the one that's giving you the card. He's here protecting you. He shows up every day to stop the crime. And she repeated herself to him and said, thank you for protecting me. I, I, I promise you the crime will get better. And even that story, when I tell that story, I get goosebumps because this is a sweet woman. You know, she and her level of appreciation. She doesn't want the police to be defunded. She embraces the police. Right. And so does the, most, the majority of those, you know, these communities. So it's actually a very interesting thing. Trusting that they're here to help and protect us. They put themselves in harm's way every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do have, you know, when you and when you speak about that, when you just want to state how corrupt the police are, you know, we got to like point fingers where, where it really starts because they are the ones that give the okay. Just like what's going on now in entertainment and you see all of this going on and with the at me situation and it's so sad i you know evil is at its all-time high but i told i said a while back when i was talking to some friends and they were like no this is what's going to happen the world is changing it's going to be all evil and i said no the devil is a lie what's happening yeah he's doing the damage but best believe me, love and light is on is going to overtake evil. And that's what's happening right now. People are fed up, people are tired, people want to live their lives, and they want to be able to have control of their homes and, and in their families. And America, we lost that. And it's so sad. I have my 15-year-old grandson who lives with me. He is such a, I love him to death. He's a 4.0. He doesn't get any in, into any trouble. And, you know, he's just doing him. But when I drop him off at school sometime and I just look at some of the kids that are going to school and it's it's so sad. You know, they don't even have a uniform anymore. They can they can go to school with pajama pants on and house shoes. And I, I find I, that I, to be so appalling because uniform 
is what is important. It shows responsibility and you're ready and prepared for school. Other than that, to me, you can sit here and be and do a Zoom if you just want to get out the bed and and be in your pajamas. And that's you, just you, my opinion. You, you probably have a strong feeling and opinion about those kids that call themselves fuzzies. Are you familiar with that? No. <laughs> no. It, there are Please schools, elaborate. There are schools. Uh, I know one in Florida. I know I've heard it here in New York City where kids or children are not boys or girls. You know, they, they feel they're a dog or a cat. And these schools are accommodating them and they're putting kitty litter in the bathroom. And they some of them no, walk you around. You gotta be t- kidding me. I am not kidding. If you Google it, you'll see it. It you can't and they 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 don't stop it. You know, the extremity of the woke movement, all the things that are going on, it's it's just insanity. It's insanity. Wow. Well, I didn't know the name was called Fuzzy Kids. I do I have been reading and doing research because I'm interested because like I said, my, my grandson, he just made it to high school. So I'm interested. I'm, you know, thank God for my husband. He talks to him a lot about what's going on and he's, he appears to be, you know, understanding and he's not part of that. He doesn't want to deal with that. And and I thank God for that. But however, it's still an issue because he was telling me that one of the girls came to school with, uh, she thought, he said he thought it was, you know, Halloween. He thought that she thought it was Halloween, but it wasn't. She had the the cat outfit on and had a made up face and everything. And when the teacher was talking or somebody was saying something to her, she was purring. There you go. There you go. And I had told my grandson, I said, you know, if things get any worse, I would prefer to see you be homeschooled because it's that's that's not God's way. I'm sorry. It's it's not. <laughs> it's just not. And and you know, I just that's something that I cannot accept. I know like you and everyone else when the LGBTQ came out and you know, I believe in diversity. I believe that we are all in this little salad bowl and no matter if what color you are, what religion, you know, you, you worship, we all in this together. So I'm I'm to myself and I'm like, okay, yes, that's right. LGBTQ, you do you and I'm going to do me. That, 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 and we're, we're good. Now we came out with all this and the woke came out and then now you have me and now People, parents, we're like, no, we're not tolerating it because that's unacceptable. And what you do in your home, that's your business. But when it comes to our families, what how we do things, we have that right. And I'm so glad to see parents fight for that. And (laughs) I am. I'm so happy about that. Tell me, what are the Ten Commandments of Trust, in your opinion? Well, you know, the book goes into many, many things. And and the walkway um, from that, um, all the things I bring out, I I put together ten things that are Mm -hmm. uh, from the book. You know, one that uh, resonates is don't go against your gut feeling. Your gut feeling... uh, 98% 98% of the time, spot on. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, uh, hold it one second here. I just got to, just gotta, hold on. Um, when you go against your gut feeling, there's a good chance you're making a mistake. And, um, it's not always foolproof, but, you know, it, it's 95% of the time, spot on. That's one of them. Um, there's, there's 10 different things that I hit on. Um, and one of one of them is also about uh, social media. Be mm-hmm. exceedingly careful about what you post. Um, right. It, it, I know literally. My, my divorce attorney uh, told me a story. He said that the first thing he does when he takes on a new client, literally, the first thing he does is go look at the social media of the opposing side. And he told me in one case, he had a decision 
that was so substantially beneficial for his client because of what he found in social media. So you got to be so incredibly careful what you post because it can really come back and bite you, you know, where, uh, so there were all these different takeaways, um, that at the end, I called them the 10 commandments of trust. And, you know, there, it doesn't cover the entire book, but it covers a bunch of different things that are in the chapters. Yes. And speaking of social media at one time, when I first established my foundation, I was on Facebook and Twitter and Facebook and Twitter, right? And also Instagram. And it, it was okay, but you got to re- I had to take a step back because I had to remember I'm all for the positive. So what I do, I mentor girls 14 to 24 years old who are at risk, meaning you having behavioral problems, being a truant at school or issues at home. Girls of domestic violence, some are homeless, transitioning through foster care, some are veterans. Because what I see from the experience of going through with my daughter when she was 21 years old, domestic violence, she would not take responsibility for her actions. And the blame game was just on me and everybody else because she's hurt. However, also seeing what's going on, girls on here, half naked, we're feeling, they got young girls feeling like, you know, you can't pursue a career, no matter if it's in entertainment, modeling, or whatever you choose to do, then you have to put your integrity on the line. And as an executive, as a person who has experienced adversity and have overcame challenges, I, I, I beg the difference. No, you do not. I don't feel we have to showcase all of our body and do certain things in order to make it in life. I feel that it takes time. And if you have time and if you pursue correctly, and as you stated, it's about getting with the right people whom is going to guide you and to see that you want to do the right thing, you're going to make it. And after I established my foundation in 2012, here is in 2023, after going through people whom took advantage of me during corruption and extortion and bullying and everything. I tell you, I am a woman. I, I am victorious. I am totally victorious. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And that is what is important. But what the main thing that I'm trying to say is here I am on social media putting out all positive things. And people just did. Some people just did not like that. (laughs) And I did not understand the why. Because it's a trend going on and it's like you need to be this way. And you need to be with this particular organization, and then you will go far in life. And that's not true. I agree with you. Tell me, in your opinion, how to know if someone is lying to you? Well, um, there, there were several aspects to that. Mm-hmm. One is obviously what you're being told, but we'll come to that in a second because that's the, the, the distinction of you know whether you're being told something that's true or not. But there there's uh, characteristics of people that lie. Uh, people that when they speak to you, if they don't look you in the eyes and they're looking down, right. or they speak to you in a very uh, stiff format, they're like rigid, um, okay. or uh, they answer without answering. You know they. Like nod your head. Well, not, not in that respect, but they avoid specifically responding to something you're asking. They'll answer the question, but they won't answer. It's sort of, it could be a politician. You know, that, that would be an oh, example. Like we talked about Gavin Newsom, right? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but the you know the okay. the reality is, um, I mean, there are these physical characteristics that distinguish. There was a, a TED talk done. I forgot the person who did so, called Liar Spotter. And she did a really good analytic of spotting a liar. 
uh, in terms of the, those things I just shared with you, plus others. Um, and then, of course, your gut feeling. You know, if, uh, you know, if someone says something to you uh, and you just uh, it just doesn't sound right, or you know, uh, it it probably isn't right. So you have to. Your instincts are very important. Um, you know, to distinguish between being told the truth or not. But you got to be responsible to yourself. You yeah. can't pick the can. Hmm. Great point. Thank you so much. Mr. Michelle, you said self-awareness is a responsibility to ourselves and a discipline that requires work. If you are self-aware, you can grow, improve, learn, and get better. I like that statement. If you are not self-aware, you will probably plateau and end up stuck. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm-hmm. If I ask you, what is perception of self? What would you tell me your answer is? Perception of self. What? Yes. What is perception of self? Being me. Well, my integrity. So, are you, no, my perception asking. of me, like right now, we're talking, and this is who I am. So the perception you are attaining from me of who I am, correct? Good answer, but not the correct answer. Okay. In my, in my vocabulary, mm-hmm. perception of self isn't how I perceive myself. Perception of self is, am I conscious of how you're perceiving me? Am I okay. talking to you and you're saying, I like this person? Do I think he's honest? Do I think he speaks the truth? Can I sense and see looking at you and watching your reaction. Am I conscious of our interaction? And am I respectful of you that I actually care? Perception of self is how I perceive myself, but I have this other definition of being conscious of how other people perceive you and being responsible that you want to be perceived very favorably. If you're not a nice person or you're arrogant or you're, you know, it's all about you, um, Mm -hmm. that that person you're, you're interacting with it's not going to have a good feeling. You may not care, but I argue you should care because, you know, team, I have another team is not a word in my vocabulary. Team is an acronym together. Everyone achieves more. Great point. Thank you. (laughs) Great point. So tell me a little bit more about how did you overcome the challenges you know, you grew up with an alcoholic mom, and here you are today as a phenomenal man. Tell me, how did you overcome those challenges? Well, phenomenal is a very nice compliment. Thank you. you know, <laughs> I, I, you are either your own best friend or your own worst enemy. And, you know, we all have stuff. We all have adversity. We all have bad experience. Uh, when I was kidnapped, I, I mean, it didn't really impact me because I didn't even realize what was going on. Other than I, I got locked in a room uh, for two days, I got fed, and the police broke down the door, FBI, the whole thing. And it was sort of like an experience of like, wow, how cool is this? You know, I didn't, they didn't hurt me, but it was I, I wasn't afraid of it. When my parents got divorced, mm-hmm. they got divorced when I was five, remarried each other when I was 15, and got divorced again when I was 25. So it's like a can't even make this up, but that's actually what happened. And my, mo- I wound up taking care of both of them. My mother ultimately killed herself. My father went broke. And when I was a young kid, I sat sat there with all this negative stuff, but I didn't really know it was negative because it was my norm. I didn't know better. You know, looking back now, I said, "Wow, this was pretty dysfunctional." But what I did do was I used to watch TV shows that were like really nice TV shows. There was a show at the time when I was a kid called Family Affair. And it was like healthy, normal family. And I, I kind of like got into it from the perspective of maybe being envious or not even realizing, but embracing, you know, the messages that were shared from that really nice show. And then I, I decided I had to start working. I started working when I was in eighth grade and I wound up working in an electronics store. And I had this hunger to get learn and get smarter and make myself stronger. And I, the point I'm trying to make is that we all have to be responsible for ourselves. Being a victim is not a great thing. 
you know, you could feed on being, why me? I'm down. I can't do. There's no I can't do. There is I will do. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to make myself smarter. And I'm a word guy. I study words. I studied studying words in ninth grade. And when I say study words, it'll be a little embarrassing, but I'm going to share it anyway. I would <laughs> I have, a, I have a notebook. And in the notebook, I would write a word and its definition. And the notebook's this thick. You know, it's like really both pages are full. And that, that notebook resides in my bathroom. It still does from ninth grade. And over the years, because I have time, you know, we all spend a lot of time in the bathroom. I would sit there and read over and over again the pages, the words, and their definitions. As such, I have a pretty vast vocabulary. When I speak, I use words that are maybe not always used. Clearly, when I write, I, 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 words come to my mind that you know just wouldn't think. I made myself stronger. That's the point of the story. We either make ourselves stronger or we become victims and we blame, we spiral out of control, you get the drugs, you know, victim. Ter- and unfortunately, too many people go that way. So in my case, I just made my, and I continue to do this. I continue to study words. I have them in my phone now. And I, every time I hear a word, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I know the word, but I can't remember totally. I immediately look it up and I sit there and I say it throughout the day just to solidify it in my mind. We have to make ourselves stronger. It's just the way it is. And if you do, I guarantee you, you will aspire. I do agree. I had to learn different affirmations when I became broken at that time some few years ago. And I didn't understand. And it was a why me? Why me? I kept asking, why me? I'm a good person. And, you know, I kept giving myself all these explanations of this shouldn't have happened to me instead of having the affirmations of who I am. So I could continue to move forward. And once I start doing that, here I am. (laughs) So you're taught, you're speaking to case in point. You know, you either curl up in the corner and become a victim or you go out and say, you know what? I am not standing for this. I'm going to go make something happen. I'm, I'm, I got hit. I got knocked down. I'm pouncing back up and I'm going even stronger. I learned from this. I will not make that same mistake again. And that's the point, you know. Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. So I ask you this question. So some of the individuals whom hurt me in the past has resurfaced. I really, to be honest, I really don't know how to be welcome. I forgive. But I have moved on. And one thing that I did learn on my journey is you can't keep repeating the same thing because anybody can say that they're sorry, but do they really mean it? And when people hear that, you know, good things are happening, you know, for you and everything, and then people start resurfacing to be back in your life and give an explanation, what, in your opinion, how would you handle that? Well, it's difficult for me to give you a very precise answer because I don't know all the details and all the things that transpired that right. got you to where you are. But again, I would go with this thing called your gut feeling. And sometimes when someone says they're sorry, depending on what they're sorry for, it, it can be an acceptable thing to allow that person back in your life, particularly depending on what they do going forward uh, in terms of their sincerity their nature of being genuine and whether they actually do something go out without you asking they go out of their way to um enrich you uh, you know what and whatever it is and it just came out of them because they really care and they want to make a difference so it's i'm giving you a vague answer that's specific and it's very subjective to what transpired or didn't but you know with to the extent that i can answer the question that would be my answer I do. Oh, okay. I just wanted to, and I thank you so much because that is the way that I am looking at it. But I just wanted to ask because maybe you have something a little bit more for me to take in. But you know, it, again, it depends on this, this. Each situation speaks for itself. I do agree with that. So, besides the first book, how many books do you have out already? Uh, three. 
three. Okay. And can you tell me about those? I mean, uh, give me the names of those books. Well, my passion and what I do, they call me the master networker. My first book title is One Phone Call Away, Secrets of a Master Networker. That got me on the Today Show, speaking all over the country. Um, I am a connector. I love helping people. I do so without asking what's in it for me. And I literally um, have 15,000 people in my personal database. I do all sorts of things out of the box. So I wrote that book, and it, you know, it was a kind of a, a launching pad for the perception of who I am. Uh, everyone calls me the master networker. No one, you, no one does what you do. My right. second book title is called The Opportunity Magnet. And that book is about what do you need to do to make yourself stand out? What do you need to do that creates opportunity, draws people to you? And that goes back to, you know, you are your own uh, success or failure. You know, you got to go out there and create impression. I, I share a story about that book where I talk about I went to a cocktail party and I go up to people and talk to them all the time. And this gentleman's standing there. I have a glass of wine in my hand. He gets a drink at his. And I go over to him. You know, I'm standing next to him. I said, hi. And he says, hi. I said, my name is Jeff. How are you? And he says his name. I said, said oh, what, what do you do, Steve? And he looks at me and goes, I'm an accountant. And I looked at him and I said, oh, okay. Really nice meeting you. And I moved on. Not that there's anything wrong with being an accountant. But you have a very short period of time to create an impression. An accountant is sort of like a generic category. There's nothing mm-hmm. that makes you stand out. So right. if I was an accountant, I would responded by saying, I specialize in tax disasters. Whoa. Like, what do you mean? That creates conversation. That creates interest because you're doing something that doesn't put you in a category. It puts you in a skill set that you do so. People don't get that. So that's just an example. That's, that's a pretty cool book, too. Right. Okay. Well, I know me and you, we didn't chat it and I'm up for time, but is there anything else you would like for us to know? I would just, I would end by saying those who get the book, you know, trust is a double-edged sword. Trust me by way. Well, I had to use a pen name because the publisher wouldn't let me use my name because I tell the stories about my crooked partner that are over the top and they were worried about it. So I had to use a pen name. If you do read the book, I guarantee you're going to get a lot of it. And I would only ask. If you would go to Amazon and post a review, I, I would appreciate that. Uh, we all are responsible for ourselves. We just got to become smarter um, about something that's so critical in our lives. And it, it, it just covers everything in our lives. And I wrote the book to make a difference. And, if, and I get such positive feedback from people. And that's the greatest compensa- compensation I could get. So I would ask your readers to do that. And if you actually go, you, you read some of it, you could post a review on Amazon. I'd appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Well, readers. I have reached my destination. I am an award-winning author of the new book, Journey of a Sapphire. I hope to inspire others whom are either going through challenges or or, uh, obstacles to never give up on your dreams. Most importantly, how to recognize behavioral problems. You can purchase my book at journeyofasapphire.com. Also on Amazon.com, Journey of a Sapphire by Pamela Henderson and Kindle Fire. Please leave a comment. I'd leave you with this quote. In life, we all need a little push to keep us going, especially during hard times and tough times. It gives us the power to inspire others, lift our spirits, and gives us the strength to persevere. It serves as a reminder that we are not alone in our struggles and that we have the potential to overcome any obstacle. Thank you. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world.
With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.